0: Today, you can be at home with your Heavenly Father as you learn the secret of the easy yoke, that is how to effortlessly do the things that Jesus himself would do if Jesus were you by doing one thing, and that is arranging your life as I seek to arrange my life around those practices and activities that Jesus engaged in to be constantly at home with and receiving power from his Heavenly Father. And we're looking at some of those activities that fall under the category of abstinence, where we abstain or refrain or don't do things that we would normally do. Today, we're going to talk about money, which is such a great, fun topic, and talk about the practice that is called frugality. And that may sound like a terrible idea to you. Um, in frugality, Dallas writes, we abstain from using money or goods at our disposal in ways that merely gratify our desires or our hunger for status, glamour, or luxury. Let's read that again, because it's just so densely rich. We abstain from using money or goods in this practice, at our disposal, in ways that merely gratify our desires or our hunger for status, glamour, or luxury. Practicing frugality means we stay within the bounds of what general good judgment would designate as necessary for the kind of life to which God leads us. Now, interestingly, this actually goes quite beyond uh, Christianity or even religion. Ancient folks generally understood about the wisdom of the practice of frugality. There used to be what were called sumptuary laws. We think about consumption that would put restrictions on this by secular authorities. The ancient Spartan, Dallas writes about this, was forbidden to use any materials constructing a house that required more elaborate tools than an axe or a saw. This is something about people's character that would be developed in a good way, the Spartans realized. The Romans frequently wrote laws limiting expenses on entertainment. English law contained many enactments governing the food and clothing of people of various social ranks. Such laws are hardly imaginable in our world today, where no extravagance is thought to be shameful, but only a more or less astonishing exercise of one's presumably sacred right to pursue happiness by having more and more and more and more. So why in the world would anybody want to practice frugality? Well, there actually is a reason. The spiritually wise person has always known that frivolous consumption corrupts the soul away from trust in and worship of and service to God and injures our neighbor as well. Um, While frugality is a service to God and to human beings, Uh, Our concern with it here is a as a discipline. And as a discipline, it frees us from concern with and involvement with a multitude of desires that would make it impossible for us to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. It feels painful for us because what we need to get free of is this idea that is trumpeted all the time in our world that one day more will be enough. But the truth is that in between more, 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 we live in a world that says if you just had more, more possessions, more money, more security, more luxury, more clothes, if you just had more, one day you would get to enough. But in between more and enough is a chasm that will never be bridged. I will sometimes illustrate this by asking, who is more content, the man with a million dollars or the man with 12 children? And the correct answer is the man with 12 children Because he doesn't want any more. And so what happens in frugality is that uh, I discover that I can be free because when I keep getting more, it leads me to want yet still more and still more and still more and puts me on a treadmill that will never end. James Clear writes about a fascinating dynamic. There actually is a name for this in his book, Atomic Habits. There was a French philosopher, uh, Denis Diderot, I think it's pronounced. He's the guy that wrote the encyclopedia. His daughter was going to get married. He had almost no money. And Catherine the Great, Empress of Russia, heard about his financial problems and actually bought his library for a huge amount of money back then. Scores and scores and scores of thousands of dollars uh, in our currency And let him keep his books and paid him a salary to be the librarian that would take care of his own books till he died And he was thrilled and this meant that he had enough money to pay for his daughter's wedding She was getting married and enough left over so that he was able to buy for himself a beautiful scarlet robe it was so beautiful, in fact, James Clear writes, that he immediately noticed how out of place it seemed when surrounded by his more common possessions. He wrote that there was no coordination, no unity, no more unity, between his elegant robe and the rest of his stuff here in this cabana that just looks quite ordinary in comparison with this fabulous robe. Uh, Diderot soon felt the urge to upgrade his possession. Sound familiar? He replaced his rug with one from Damascus. He decorated his home with expected, expensive sculptures. He bought a mirror to place above the mantel and a better kitchen table. He tossed aside his old straw chair for a leather chair. Like falling dominoes, one purchase led to another purchase led to another purchase. More, 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 more. His behavior is not uncommon. In fact, the tendency for one purchase to lead to another purchase has a name, the Diderot effect. Folks, in economics and the social sciences, will actually talk about it by this name. The Diderot effect states that obtaining a new possession often creates a spiral of consumption that leads to additional purchases. Spot this everywhere. You buy a dress, have to have new shoes and earrings to match. You buy a couch, suddenly the question you question the layout of your entire living room. You buy a toy for your child, and you find yourself purchasing all the accessories that go with it. It's a chain reaction of purchases. And so, how do we go about practicing frugality? A couple of thoughts on this one for you, just to do a miniature version of frugality today. Um, One is when it comes to your finances, get out of vague. A lot of people go through their life and they're just not clear on what are they spending and what are they giving and what's happening to them financially. This is where debt becomes a primary uh, source of enslavement that frugality can help with. So uh, a couple of years ago... Although I'm not a high-tech guy at all, but I got on Quicken just so I could now track all the money that I'm spending and all the money that we're giving really easily and really clearly. And just that step, often people who wrestle with food will discover if they do a food journal, it makes it actually a huge impact on what they end up eating. Um, so uh, financially, just getting out of vague, getting real clear, however you do that, is a step towards frugality. Decide... What is enough? How much is enough? What happens for most of us in our world is um, if we get more income, if our income increases, then our lifestyle increases. Got to have a new scarlet robe. Got to have a really nice mirror to look at my scarlet robe in. And we just unthinkingly raise it. But there are people who say, no, this will be enough. And if my income rises above this, I will simply give it away. I was talking to a friend of mine who's very generous in that way, and it was very moving just to hear somebody who put a cap on their lifestyle, and uh, he really wanted to be able to give. And that leads to something else today. Don't wait till you feel generous to give. One of Jesus' brilliant statements, of course, I'm not sure that there were any that go in the non-brilliant category, but one of them is, don't store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I mean, don't store up treasures on earth where... Uh, moth and rust corrode and thieves break into steel, lay up treasure in heaven. And we do that as we give. We do that as we're generous to other people. Because he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. We often approach it the other way around. Someday I'm going to feel really generous and have a lot of money, and then I'm going to really give. Now, if you begin to put your treasure someplace right now, your heart will follow along with it. I have a friend who found out about a woman that was in need, and so he got a few people to help, and they got a little trailer for her to live in and then found out that it needed a roof. And so his heart immediately went out to her and said, I got to help make sure that she gets a roof. So today, um, spend a little less money than you otherwise would. If you go out to eat for a meal, get cheaper food than you otherwise would. Um, Get a smaller cup of coffee than you would, just tiny little things, and then give that. If somebody has something that they want you to share, go ahead and share with them. Um, Go into your closet and find a scarlet robe and give it away. And if this practice doesn't help you, uh, stay with it, because it's worth persistence. And we'll have another one tomorrow. Welcome home. Hey, I'm Tim. Thanks for joining us here at Become New. We hope that these videos help you to grow spiritually one day at a time. If you want to access our whole library of videos, or if you want to subscribe to the daily emails or text messages that go along with each video, head on over to becomenew.com and you can let us know there. We're also preparing some exclusive leadership content. So if you're interested in that, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash leadership. And lastly, if you've got a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. You can let us know by texting it to 855-888, Zero four, four, four. See you next time.